The following is a presentation of Hawkeye's Mike, LLC. Second down at two, Brodell came in motion. Green has the first down in a big hole. Makes a move at the 20. NFL back playing college football. I mean, that's exactly what he is. You have to say it that way when you look at the things that he can do. He's a physical runner that runs through contact, but he also is an elusive back. He can make you miss outside. He's got great footwork. You know, one guy is not going to take this guy down. Hello, Hawkeye fans. This is John Patchett, and welcome to the football show from HawkeyesMike.com. The Iowa-Wisconsin game highlights are courtesy of the Big Ten Network with Martin Neely, Chris Martin, Glenn Mason, and sideline reporter, former Hawkeye star Anthony Heron. Very nice job by all of them as the network gets better with each week. We very much appreciate it and thank them. Seventh play of this opening drive for the Hawkeyes. And first down from the 12 of Wisconsin. And running right, Reed into the end zone. And the Hawkeyes make an early statement, march right down the field for six. What he showed was great patience here. They're just running the zone block, and he gets in there. They've got those big linemen sometimes it's hard to see, but he just sifts through and finds the open ground. Touchdown. Yeah, he sits nice. He waits for the crease. Again, good job up front. Establish the blocks, and you know he knows how to finish runs. These football programs come to you following every game during the entire season. This week, once again, you'll have the chance to hear Marv Cook's thoughts and Pat Hardy's opinions. You'll hear from the opposing coaches in this coming Saturday's game. You'll also hear from Iowa Offensive Coordinator Ken O'Keefe. We'll take a look at the Big Ten Conference and we'll preview the Iowa-Illinois game. And during the course of the season, we'll also hear from you, the Iowa fans. We invite you to share your comments each week by calling 866-74-HAWKS. Before we continue, we also have a very special message this week from Iowa head coach Kirk Ferentz, who reminds us that next Tuesday is election day. I want to do what I did on my bye week, uh, my bye Saturday. I voted Saturday. Being a good American, just being a patriot, that's all. Swung out. Oh, nice catch. Rodell makes a move. Actually, that's Reisner, the tight end. What a when grab. It, hey, when it's going good, it's going good. Well, I may have just found my coach's Q&A play of the week because that was an amazing catch. His ability first to, to come back, reach back with one arm, the concentration, then he switches the ball, has the wherewithal, knows where he is on the football field, and to get that thing to the house, can't emphasize how difficult a catch that is running across the field. The Iowa Hawkeyes brought the Heartland Trophy back to Iowa City by thoroughly dominating the Wisconsin Badgers on the way to a 38-16 victory at Kinnick Stadium on October 18th. The Hawks also walked away with both the Big Ten Offensive and Defensive Players of the Week, running back Sean Green and linebacker Pat Angerer. The Iowa-Wisconsin series has typically featured very close, hard-fought games and is now dead even at 41-41-2. But in this game, it was hard to find anything to criticize the Hawks for, and the 38 points scored by the Hawks were the most against Wisconsin since 1978. 
Iowa had no turnovers for the second consecutive week. The offense excelled with Sean Green rushing for a career-high 217 yards and four touchdowns. Green also became the first player in the NCAA in 2008 to have eight consecutive 100-plus yard games, and he passed the 1,000-yard mark for the season. The defense throttled the Badgers, with Anger garning a career-high 16 tackles plus two interceptions. Those 16 tackles are also the most by any Big Ten player this year. And special teams were very good, the icing on the kick. Particularly impressive was the outstanding play by both Iowa's offensive and defensive lines, consistently beating a much bigger Badger team up front. And excellent downfield blocking by Iowa's wide receivers and tight ends helped spring Sean Green's long runs. The second straight blowout victory leaves the Hawkeyes one game short of becoming bowl eligible, although they probably need two more wins to lock down a good bowl bid. This was also another significant beatdown for a Wisconsin team that was a preseason favorite to be second in the Big Ten and was ranked in the top ten nationally just a few weeks ago. With a loss to Iowa, the Badgers owned their first four-game losing streak in 12 years, although they bounced back nicely last Saturday to upset Illinois and Madison. Following their bye week, the Hawkeyes now travel to Champaign this Saturday to face a very tough, though inconsistent, Illinois team. More on that game later. Great story. Compelling and rich. Hawkeyesmike.com. It's sports talk radio on the internet. Just for you, the Iowa fan. All sports, all Hawks, all the time. A quick review of game notes and key stats is brought to you by Prefence, the revolutionary new hand sanitizer that kills bacteria, viruses, and fungi for up to 24 hours with a single application. Go to www.prefence.com. Prefence is now the hand sanitizer used by the Iowa men's and women's basketball teams and the defending NCAA champion Iowa Hawkeyes wrestling team. Iowa now has possession of all three of their trophies. The Heartland Trophy regained against Wisconsin, as we mentioned earlier. The Cy Hawk regained against Iowa State. Lloyd of Rosedale is still in Iowa City. His fate will be determined in the final regular season game against Minnesota. Sean Green's 217 yards in this game tied Nick Bell for the sixth most rushing yards in a single game in Iowa history. Bell got his 217 yards and three touchdowns against Wisconsin on October 14th of 1989. Green is also the first Iowa running back to ever run for over 100 yards in eight straight games. He now ranks 19th in career rushing yards at Iowa. This was also the second straight game an Iowa running back had at least three rushing touchdowns. Jewel Hampton did it the week before at NDM. Iowa scored two touchdowns and a field goal on its three red zone possessions. The Hawks have now scored their last 11 red zone trips with six TDs and five field goals. The touchdown on Iowa's first possession of the game marks the fourth time in eight contests the Hawkeyes have scored on their initial drive. Wisconsin failed to score on its opening possession. All eight Iowa opponents so far this year have failed to score on their opening drives. In the last seven years, Iowa is now 45-7 when leading at the half and 50-6 when leading after three quarters. 
Senators. Wisconsin won the toss and elected to receive. That was the first game of the season that Iowa started the game on defense in 2008. Key statistics, first downs, Wisconsin 19 to Iowa 17. Net yards rushing, the Hawks dominated there 254 to 158. Net yards passing went to the Badgers 251 to 121, but the Hawkeyes did not need to pass that much. Total offensive yards, 409 for Wisconsin, 375 for the Hawks. Total offensive plays, 75 for the Badgers to 54 for the Hawks. Possession time also was in Wisconsin's favor. 33 minutes to 27 for the Hawks. Third down conversions, the Badgers were 6 of 18. This was the only problem you could really criticize the Hawks for. Only 1 of 10 in third down conversions. Also of note this past week, the NCAA issued its annual report on the academic achievement of Division I teams and graduation information about students and student-athletes entering in the year 2001. The graduation success rate for Iowa student-athletes was 86%. That's eight points higher than the national average, two points better than Iowa's number a year ago, and five points better than its 2006 number. This upward trend is also mirrored for Iowa's football program, which now sports a 75% graduation rate for student-athletes in football. That's eight points better than the national average, two points better than last year, and 10 points better than 2006. Iowa ranked third in the Big Ten Conference, behind only Northwestern and Penn State. Iowa also ranked third among its peers in the Big Ten when comparing the GSR for all student-athletes, again, behind only Northwestern and Penn State. A special shout-out to Hawkeyes Mike listener Michael Hurwitz of Los Angeles. We get a lot of feedback here at HawkeyesMike.com, but we got an especially nice email from Michael last week praising the football programs and particularly complimenting Pat Hardy and Marv Cook for their contributions. Draw. Green. Mingo. Third touchdown of the game for Sean Green. Look at all the green grass on that run. He's a good back. You can't give him that room, but you've got to credit the offensive line. And let's give credit to Ken O'Keefe, the offensive coordinator. He's been under a lot of criticism. Great calls in that series. And he knows how to finish runs. He's just not a power guy. He's shifty. He can make you miss. And of course, he plays with suddenness. Time now to hear from the coaches in this coming Saturday's game. First up, Iowa head coach Kirk Ferentz. Ferentz talks about Illinois' apparent inconsistency, sometimes playing really well, sometimes struggling. I think probably uh, like our football team, you know, the things that have hurt them more than anything else would be turnovers and penalties and opportune times for penalties. And that really, uh, to me, has been the story of the season. They're you know, still extremely talented. Uh, very, very dangerous in, in all regards, and uh, got a lot of good football players. They're well coached, and but it's you know if, if you do turn the ball over in opportune times, or uh, you know suffer negative yardage plays through penalties or uh, sacks, those types of things, it usually makes it tough to to be a proficient as you want to be. Ferentz was asked if he expected his defense to be as good as it is this year. Well, you know, we still have a lot of football left. We have four games to play yet, but, you know, the guys have been giving good effort, and they've really been playing well together, and our, our, our football team's kind of like that in general. I think right now probably the, the uh, sum of our parts is a little bit better than the individuals, and but we're getting a lot of good uh, good efforts. Certainly it starts up front with uh, King and Cole. You know, we knew they'd play at a real high level, and they've, they've been doing that 
Uh, there aren't a lot of statistics that, that would, you know can can illustrate that, but they're just playing really well, and it all starts for us there. But uh, then you get guys like Pat Anger, who's a first-year starter and wasn't even starting in camp. Uh, he's really come on and played well. So you know, when you get some help from guys like that uh, to go with the veteran players that we've had, it's been a good good thing so far, and we're, we're going to be tested uh, certainly Saturday. Ferentz talks about the Iowa-Illinois rivalry and the fact that both teams are striving for bowl berths. You know, we're, we're moving into November. It's, it's it's an important time for everybody in the conference. And last year, we didn't have a very good record. It was still an important game for us. And, and you know, I, I think, you know, the rivalry part, being just being border states, that makes part of factors into it. But you know, I, I think all the games right now for everybody in our conference are real big. Uh, you move in end of October, early November, a lot of things are riding uh, on the outcome of the games. And uh, certainly it's, you know, it's more enjoyable now because there is a little bit more significance, I think, than, than maybe earlier in the season. Parents was asked if the Big Ten is one of the best conferences for running backs in 2008. Yeah, I mean, it seems like every every week, whoever you play, there are outstanding running backs. We don't play Ohio State. Benny Wells, uh, uh, certainly he's a great football player. And, you know, Penn State's uh, got a couple great running backs. And you know, you're right down the list. And, and one guy I think gets left out of the conversation quite a bit is uh, Sutton uh, from Northwestern. You know, it was our first Big Ten game, and he's, he's tremendous. So we actually had McCoy from Pittsburgh the week before that. Then we went to Sutton, Ringer. You know, you're right down the line. You know, the running back at Thick uh, Penn is very dangerous of Indiana and last week we saw Hill and Clay so I mean you know yeah, it seems like every week you're uh, facing somebody who's pretty good. Kirk discusses the direction of the Iowa football program both on and off the field at this point in the season. First of all off the field I think we're having a great year. Uh, we've had very very few things happen the things that have happened you know on the scale of seriousness and I'm, I'm not condoning anything but you know, they've been pretty much uh, relegated to just you know typical college student missteps and uh, hardly anything major so I think off the field our guys are doing a tremendous this job and I'm very happy about that and and uh, you know on the field we've had our ups and downs in terms of wins and losses but uh, you know really this team since last March I think has worked extremely hard I think they've been committed to the right things I think they've given great effort and you know, I said a couple weeks ago here that you know we weren't very good back in March as a football team I'm not sure we could have beaten many teams uh, but the team's improved and that's all you can ask and uh, you know, our guys are playing hard but even in defeat, I think we've played with good effort and uh, we've played together. We just we, we made too many mistakes to, to expect to win. You, you know, a good illustration of that, our opening Big Big Ten game, we turned it over five times and lost by, I think it was five points. Well, you know, you just, you're not going to win games turning the ball over five times. I don't care uh, what else you're doing. So, but the good news is, you know, we've learned uh, from our mistakes, I think. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm really, this has been a delightful team to coach. It's been a lot of fun. And Ferentz was asked if things like revenge, as is reported coming out of Champaign, really matter in games like this border state rivalry. Uh, you know, I think it's overblown, you know, unless something just crazy happens in a game, you know, which I, I can't think of a recent example, but if, if somebody did something really, you know, disrespectful to another team, which, again, I can't think of many illustrations uh, anywhere, you know, that, that might be one thing that... You know, if a team beats you, and that's what they're supposed to do, that's what you're supposed to do, too. So uh, I think that probably falls a little bit in line with the uh, category of pep talks where, uh, you know, it might factor in for the first two minutes of a ball game, but, on, you know, you got to play 60. So, you know, if the game's ended after two, it'd probably be a bigger factor. This past week also featured a rare press conference by offensive coordinator Ken O'Keefe from the Iowa Hawkeyes. O'Keefe has been often criticized during Iowa's offensive struggles the last couple of years and earlier this season, but Saturday game against Wisconsin may have been one of the best called games in terms of the offensive coordinator in quite some time. O'Keefe talks about how the offense has changed with Sean Green. 
it's moving forward and making first downs, and you know we're getting the ball in the end zone. I mean, that's if that's if that's a change. But we're running the same plays. We're doing, you know, the same stuff. Uh, you know that that we've that we've all you know that we've done in the past. You know, and and uh, so it really hasn't changed in in a lot of ways. But we're you know it's not just Sean. We're better in a lot of places right now. You know, and, and up front, I think you know at, at every position. You know we're playing better than we we did a year ago at this stage. So and we need to continue to do that. O'Keefe was asked how he would respond to claims that the Iowa offense is too predictable. We do self scouts. You know we do all this stuff. Try to keep you know keep track of you know where where we're at and what we're doing and how we're calling things. I would say it'd be hard to tell exactly what's happening because we use every week. You know every week we change our formations usually. Uh, we have X number of personnel groups that we use, and one week we may, you know, we may be running one set against uh, Michigan State and not even use it the next week at Indiana. So how would you be able to predict what, you know, exactly what's going on when we hadn't actually, uh, you know, put that out there before? So uh, even if you had our game plan, I don't, you know, you know, I don't know that you'd be, able, you know, you, you could you could actually predict it. But everybody watches football now. You know, everybody makes predictions, and you know I think it's uh, you know it's made th it made things a lot more exciting for uh, for the average fan and the average uh, you know the average fan had, is exposed to a lot of football and you know a lot of you know a lot of education out there, but they don't necessarily know the tendencies of a uh, of a defense would be. Uh, they wouldn't necessarily know whether they're thinking about you know coming after you on this down and distance or you know what you can do to get yourself in and out of that play. Uh, and it, you know, and onto something better. And O'Keefe gives an assessment of quarterback Rick Stanzi's play so far. You know, he's done a pretty good job. You know, he's 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 uh, he's ridden a lot of the you know the the usual stuff of first year you know first a first time guy rides. But uh, he he's um he's done okay. You know, it's it's he works at it. I mean, he's you know he's he's in that you know he's in that room. Uh, you know, just like uh, you know, all the other guys that we have, studying that tape and trying to make sure he knows what uh, you know what he's up against and ready for it. But you know, inexperienced guys don't always see everything right when they need to see it. Uh, you know, don't always <laughs> you know don't always see it the same way. So you know, working you know working through some of those things. No matter who it is, you, you always. There are certain things that certain guys see better than others, and certain plays, you know, certain things they do better, and so you try to make, you know, you try to get those things into into the game plan. Illinois coach Ryan Zook talks about facing Sean Green in this Saturday's game in Champaign. Well, he's just turned into being a, a great, great running back. I mean, I, I mentioned in my press conference earlier today that uh, he reminds me of Mike Hart. He's a one-cut downhill guy. He's a very, very tough physical guy. Uh, I thought Mike Hart, when we prepared for them last year, was was one guy that reminded me of those guys in the NFL where you know they don't need a they don't need a lot of light. They just need a little crack. And I think that's what he's done. And uh, they've done a great job uh, with their zone scheme. And you know, he, he just um, you know he's carrying the mail. He's a big, strong, physical, tough guy. Zook was asked to assess Iowa's defense. 
Well, they're, they're, they think it's overall. They just they've been doing the same thing for over and over. Yeah, they're not gonna there's not gonna be a lot of tricks. Uh, you're gonna for the most part know where they're at. Uh, uh, but they're just uh, their, their defensive line is you know arguably one of the better defensive lines in the conference. Uh, very very tough, very very experienced, solid, and and uh, I think they're, they're leading the league in, in uh, pass interceptions and just play with a lot of enthusiasm and very very well coached. Zook talks about the Iowa Illinois rivalry. Well, you know that first year it was. <laughs> And we, everybody, you know, I don't know how much rivalry there was. Uh, we weren't very good, but I think it's 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 come around to the fact that you know, the, the, first of all, I think anytime you develop a rivalry, it's because of the the team that uh, in Iowa, in this case, has done such a good job against the University of Illinois, not only on the football field, but in the recruiting and, and you know being close and all that kind of thing. But uh, they, they they they're no question they've they've uh, they've made it known to us that uh, this is a big big rivalry. And, you know, it, it's you get excited about it because it's people that rivalries usually start long 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 before these players and coaches were here. Coach Thook also talks about the progress his quarterback, Juice Williams, has made. You know, your players, you know, if they're, if they're good players, they're competitive guys, uh, they're going to get better. Your players are, should be better players as juniors and seniors than they are as freshmen and sophomores, and I think that's the case. Mike Loxley has done a great job with him. Just Juice had to learn how to be a quarterback, and, and by that, I mean, uh, a quarterback is a lifestyle when you're playing a quarterback in the Big Ten or at this level, and you know, he had to learn that. He had to understand that, that you, you, you had to spend more time than what, you know, what maybe you, you, you can you have to do it on your own and you have to spend time with your receivers and you have to think it and all those kind of things and he's just done a great job and you know he's, he's a guy that's got a lot of God-given ability as he learns and, and feels more and you know, feels more and more confident about the game then he's allowed to let his ability just take over and, and uh, which just helped him become a better player. Zook was asked that given what's at stake in Saturday's game against Iowa and the Illini, standings and bowl possibilities, if that adds to the rivalry in this game. we got to take care of us. You know, obviously there's no question all those things are out there and I think any time we start thinking about the bowl, we start thinking about the rivalry, we start thinking about all those other things, it takes away from, from what we have to do. And our, our job is we got to, you know, we got to get we got to get our guys playing the way they're capable of playing uh, for 60 minutes and, and, uh, and obviously it's, you know, <laughs> it's a tough task because this is a very, very good football team. This is a football team that's hitting on uh, all eight cylinders, and uh, you know they're, they're playing with a lot of confidence and obviously coming off an open day. And Zook talks about his star sophomore wide receiver, Aurelius Benz, development in 2007 and 2008. Aurelius is, once again, same thing as, as a guy that's in his second year now, and he'll be better next year than he is this year, and he's just a very, very competitive guy, and uh, the offensive staff has done a great job of moving him around and trying to trying to do different things to get get, uh, get the ball in his hands, but he really uh, is one of those guys that loves to play play the game. He just, he loves to play and he loves to compete and, uh, you know, he'll do anything anything he can do to, to help this football team win. And I've said it many, many times, you know, he, he may be a better person than he is player. He's just such a great guy. Call in and express your opinions about the Hawks. To make your voice heard on HawkeyesMike.com, call toll-free 866-74-HAWKS and join our guest experts on weekly podcasts. We welcome back Marv Cook for his weekly stint on HawkeyesMike.com. This week, Sean Patchett visits with Marv. Well, it was a huge win for the Hawks in a series that historically has featured pretty close contests. What are your overall impressions, and do you think this was a statement game for Iowa? Oh, yeah, very much so. Um, you know, just the way they went out and they and they did what they had to do. They, they ran the ball extremely effectively, and um, 
defensively was stifling, obviously as a new quarterback for Wisconsin, but the defense was just smothering and, and really didn't give Wisconsin much of a chance offensively. But, you know, I mean, midway through the third quarter, it was still a tight ball game. I thought Wisconsin still was in it. And then just to see Iowa just finish it off and, and do what they had to do to get the victory was, was pretty darn impressive. Iowa gets both Big Ten Offensive and Defensive Players of the Week. Can you talk about Sean Green's performance and Pat Anger's play? Well, I mean, it's just uh, two tough-nosed guys love to play football, and they play it the right way. They play it physical, they play it fast. And, and uh, I mean, you know, obviously Anger gets the football and makes a couple of interceptions for us, and then Sean Green's just been doing what he's been doing all year. You know, that's the kind of play. And then, you know, it's always great to see when you step up to a caliber of team like Wisconsin, the physicality of them to be able to go out and, and continue to do what he's been doing offensively is pretty impressive. Overall, what's your sense of the offense right now? You know, I think it's good. I mean, you know, it's, it's, we've talked about it numerous times that when they can run the ball, they're a good offense. It sets up everything else they want to do. And then Stanzi's doing a good job of making good decisions and uh, managing the offense. And that's what you got to do when you're a quarterback at the University of Iowa. Ken O'Keefe certainly gets his share of criticism, but it appeared to be one of his better called games in quite some time. There was a lot of, a lot of looks and a solid mix that kept Wisconsin off balance pretty much all day. I think a lot of times uh, when you can run the ball, effectively it makes play calling so much easier you know and and that that's what we want to do that's what we're built to be that's you know that's how this offense has done it so you know obviously when those th types of things fall into place you know third and four if you can run the ball that makes play selection a lot easier versus third and four if you feel like you can't run for it you got to come up with some passes and you only got so many passes you can go to so many times so you know i i, I think i think they're doing a good job like i said this is a team that they're, they're they build it the way they want to build it and it's and it's being run the way that they know how to run the game and and so from that standpoint i think things are very very positive right now it looked like iowa opened up the playbook for the tight ends a little bit more on saturday a lot of different sets and shifts with the tight end lining up in the slot and motion back inside as a former tight end and now a coach, what does this kind of mix do for the offense and what problems can it pose for a defense? Well, it poses a lot. I mean, if, you, if, you're, if your tight ends are effective in the passing game, it, they have to decide whether they're going to bring in big guys and try to stop the run or if they're going to bring in smaller guys and try to cover the pass. And obviously, they bring in smaller guys, then we try to create balance through motion and, and create uh, you know, strengths for us and, and then line up and run the ball with our bigger guys. And you know, if they come out with smaller guys and play nickel or dime packages, then you know, we're going to run the ball, but if they come out with the bigger guys, linebackers, defensive ends, then we're going to line up and throw it and spread them out and, and throw the ball. So, you know, that flexibility with Myers and Moyaki and those guys, uh, Reasoner, I mean, those guys are just making great plays for the Hawks right now. And, and, you know, it just, it helps the offense, especially when you want to run the ball, to be able to have two tight ends in there, uh, two athletic guys, obviously, then we can run the boot off of it, things like that. So, you know, it just, it just brings so much more strength to the offense, so much more to our passing game and, and play selection from that standpoint. So, but they're just doing a good job of using what we have, playing to our strengths, and uh, you know, making plays now. Is it more fun for a tight end to get to do all those different types of things? Without a doubt. I mean, just the fact that you can move around, you know, on the backside, you can cut off, you can, you know, go, go play side and, and be the point of attack and, and, and get the corner sealed for, for Sean Green and those types of things. And then just to be able to move around and, and create, you know, from the passing game standpoint, to not be able to get chucked on the line of scrimmage if you're down on three-point. Those are all great things. And, and, you know, as a tight end, you love to be able to be challenged and, and to show your diversity, and, and that's what they've been able to do. Uh, depth of tight end this year also seems to be about as good as it has been, uh, with the younger kids really showing improvement and playing much of the season so far without Mayaki. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's been impressive to watch those guys step up. Now, I've always, like uh, Brandon Myers, I think he's a great tight end. And, 
obviously Milwaukee's got some skills, but you know the, to see the Reasoner kid come up and make that catch was phenomenal. Reaching back with one hand and catching, and then uh, getting a great block and running on in. I mean, those are those are just great plays. Um, you know, and, and that's what you want as a player. You want that third or fourth string guy to just when your opportunity comes, you just step up and make plays. You know, and and it's fun to watch when guys are doing that. More solid play by Ricky Stanzi, especially selling the play action. Yeah, you know, and if you know, like I said, it's when you have Sean Green right back, it's it's really easy to uh, you know just continue to ride that fake out, and everybody's gonna think Sean Green's got the ball, and then you come out, and that's that's the key. Is if you watch the old Boomer Esiason in his days when he would really sell that play action, it just sets up, the safeties come down, the corners bite, and then now the tight end's over the top or the Z or the X is over the top on a post and you got a, you got a good chance for a big big play. So that's just discipline. It takes time. It takes patience. And, you know, a lot of times you want to be a spectator after you hand off and watch great plays like Sean Green's making, but yet the thing you got to do as a quarterback is you got to just be disciplined enough to keep carrying that fake out. So how does a team go from committing nine turnovers in a span of 25 possessions to no turnovers in the next 27 possessions? Well, just, you know, I think hitting midseason form. And I, I guarantee you that probably the one thing that they've been doing is just practicing well. I think they've been having probably good practices during the week, uh, really focusing on ball security, penalties, things like that. And, and uh, when you practice those things Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, they ultimately have a, an effect of coming out and showing up on Saturday that you're, you've taken care of them. So I bet it's just good practice, uh, solid techniques, and, and uh, just being more conscious of it. Can you talk a little bit about the play of the offensive line? Just amazing. I mean, uh, in my opinion, that's where, that's where this team right now is built, the offensive line and defensive line. And, and I'm, I'm telling you, when they come off and they come off as a unit, it's like five guys step in the same spot staying square, getting up to the next level, uh, creating a crease, and, and then Sean Green just getting in there behind it and being patient, not pressing it. You know, you press the hole, but then you, you know, you don't want to, you got to still have vision, so it could still hit backside or play side. And, and he's doing a good job of just pressing the hole, forcing the action, and then the linemen are just doing a great job of just staying on, staying on, staying on, and getting uh, movement, and then that's where it's all at. Then he's out the, out, out the other side into the, into the secondary. Well, we talked about this a couple of weeks ago, but one of the most impressive things about this team has been the exceptional downfield blocking by the receivers and the positive impact that's had on the rushing game. Do you think that's due, in part at least, to the new receivers coach? Yeah, it's coaching, it's, it's effort, it's, it's the guys down there that, that want to do it. I, I think it's also Sean Green. When you have a back like Sean Green, he shows you consistently that he will get to the next level or can get to the next level, and then if you give him a block, he can take it to the house. I mean, those things feed off of each other, and. Um, you know, the more you get guys to the next level, obviously the receivers realize that. And, and trust me, you don't want to be the guy on Sunday morning when you're watching film that caused a play from not getting a touchdown because you, you were loafing or you didn't get your head across and get your, get your block. So, you know, the more Sean Green gets into the secondary, the next level, then the more the receivers need to know that they, they got to be effective in the run, run game. The Iowa defense just gets better by the week. They seem to get better when the competition is tougher, and it appears to be deeper in all positions than has been the case in the past three years. Yeah, you know, I mean, Anger's a guy that's starting to get some good reps. You know, I mean, this is his first year of substantial playing time, and Eads and, you know, obviously King and Kroll are, are, are the anchors inside, and, and our ends are coming on, and, and our, our secondary, I think, is just doing a better job of taking away the easy stuff, making it harder for teams to attack us and that's I think that's the key is is there's no more easy six yard completions like we used to give a lot of times I think just because we're better in the back end than we used to be. This seems to be Iowa's best and most athletic defensive backfield for quite some time. 
Can you talk a little bit about that and how their play makes the D-line better? Well, I think that's exactly right. I think you, you, you've spotted it, and it's this is the best week we've been in a long time in the back end, I think, in probably five or six years, and, and they're young, and that's the exciting thing, and they're, they're, they're more aggressive. They get to the ball. You know, instead of giving an eight-yard cushion, now it's a six-yard cushion. That may not seem like a lot, but that takes away that five-yard out route, takes away the hitches, and our guys are able to come up and make plays, and they're still able to, to play over the top, you know, and, and protect from the, the post and the deep stuff. So it, it's, that's been the key. And then, you know, if, if, if a quarterback has, you know, 2.8 seconds versus 3.4 seconds, it's, you know, it's a great thing. And if our guys are being able to cover, it allows our defensive linemen to rush for another half a second. And then trust me, those guys, Kroll and King and those guys up front, you give them an extra half second, they're going to find a way to get the quarterback. Brett Bielema is taking a lot of heat in Wisconsin. What do you think is going on with this team and the program right now? You know, one, they ran into four pretty good teams. Obviously, you can say Michigan, but they had Michigan 20-something at halftime. Uh, but, you know, Penn State, Michigan State, and Iowa are, are you know, three pretty good teams. Um, you know, and he, it's his third year, you know, and these are starting to be his guys that he recruited. Uh, you know, I don't know what to tell you. I mean, obviously, they're in the situation that we were seven, six, seven weeks ago. We started to, to choose to go with Rick Stanzi, a new quarterback. And you're going to take your lumps with that to some extent. So, you know, but I was, I was just pleased with, you know, that's a team to run the football. And they just couldn't run the football effectively. I mean, obviously, P.J. Hill went out with an ankle or something, but... But they're loaded at running back, too, and, and the fact that they weren't able to run the football says a lot. For this Iowa team, at this point in the season, what does the bye week do for you? I think it's, you know, I, I, some people say you don't want to lose momentum, you know, which I can understand. But I think this team has now realized what they have to do. They have to practice well to play well. And I think that what they've been doing is they know that the reason they're getting better and better and better each and every week is because they've been practicing hard and they've been getting better. And I think this just gives them another week of continuing to develop younger guys, continuing to get more repetitions, more see more snaps in practice. And then ultimately, I think it's going to be a, a, a springboard that sends them into this, you know, the kind of the meat of their schedule now. Uh, Illinois, Penn State, Purdue with some Minnesota, with some good teams that they get. I think it'll be a nice uh, break right here. But if they continue to practice the way they've been practicing, I think they got a chance to be very, very effective in the second half of the season. All right, well, let's turn to the Illinois game. Reports out of Champaign indicate that the Illini players have circled this game on their calendars uh, and their seniors have yet to beat an Iowa team. Zook is also considered a master motivator. How much impact do factors like these play in a game? Well, I think a lot. You know, I think Illinois is in a tough spot right now where they had high expectations coming in. They've had some disappointing losses. And, uh, you know, I, now that I was kind of back on the map, per se, I think this would be a, a red-letter game for them as far as, you know, if they can get a victory here, it shows people that they're, you know, the good bowl candidate, things like that. So, I mean, it's going to be a great football game. It's not going to be anything unlike we've faced here against Wisconsin. So both teams will be, trust me, both teams will be ready. Both teams will be fired up. Uh, you know, it kind of gets back to what we talked about, just trying to match the intensity of the team you're playing with, you know, and, and probably, you know, some bad things are going to happen periodically during the course of the game. And you just got to be weather those storms and, and be ready to answer the bell. And I think uh, both teams will be ready and, and, you know, the best team will ultimately end up winning. Juice Williams is a nearly unique player in the Big Ten, or Iowa was able to stifle him last year in Iowa City. How do you go about devising a defense to slow him down? Well, I think Coach Parker's been doing a good job against the spread for the most part. Uh, you know, I don't think he's as good a passer as Bechet was from Northwestern. He's probably a little bit better of a runner. Uh, you know, I think he's a 50-50 guy. He, he's as good a runner as he is a passer. But, uh, you know, I think our defense is going to do what they've been doing against the spread. They've historically had a lot of success against Illinois in that regard. Uh, you know, so 
you want to try to make a team one-dimensional and keep them off balance. But uh, the key, you know, they got so many weapons now. I mean, you know, the receiver Ben, and I mean, they got some talent and talented players. So it's just going to be, you know, continue to be 11-man defense. Everybody's got to do their assignment. You got to watch for the cutbacks, the zones, you know, the zone reads, things like that, and just be effectively uh, playing team defense. And if you do that, you get to the ball, you got a chance. Right, well, you just mentioned taking your lumps and weathering the storm and then playing team, team defense. What else do you expect to see in this game, and what would you say are the keys to the game? Well, I, I think the keys to the game are, are uh, you know, unfortunately this year, it's Sean Green. It's the running game. If Iowa can get the running game going, we got a chance. If we can't, we're going to struggle. You know, I'm not sure Ricky Stanzi's the guy yet that can win a game for you. You know, if you got to line up and throw it 35, 40 times, I'm not sure we're in that position where we can win games like that. So it's about running the football. It's about lining up, getting after it, and then uh, being able to set the play-action pass. And if we can do that, we can be effective. I think defensively, our defense has been solid all year long. I think they've been great. I think they'll keep us in the game, and it's just a matter of if we can get the running game going and have a chance. Any other thoughts? You know, it's it's exciting time to be back in Iowa City, obviously, and, 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 and the Hawks are are playing at a high level and they're fun to watch and uh, the fan the fan base is incredible and and uh, you know hopefully they can just keep this momentum going. Second down at eight. Hawkeyes at the 35. The pitch running right green. Is he gonna make it a fourth touchdown? Yes! 35 yard touchdown run for Sean Green. Well it was great call, great timing and a great finish. And I'll tell you right now, folks, we got to start making some Heisman talk here with Sean Green. He is that good of a back, continues to get stronger as the game goes on. Obviously, his numbers are bananas, but four TDs up against a pretty good Wisconsin defense. Hello, good evening, and welcome to the middle of the film. Taking our weekly look at the Big Ten Conference, we're going into week six of Big Ten games this Saturday, and with just four weekends of conference play remaining, Penn State now stands alone at the top of the standings, gaining their first victory at Ohio State since 1978. The Nittany Lions remain undefeated. They're also 3-0 on the road in Big Ten games. The Buckeyes, Minnesota, and Michigan State are just one game back of Penn State. Penn State is also the only team in the football bowl subdivision to have reached the 9-0 mark, where it will remain remain until the Iowa game next week since this is the Nittany Lions bye week. Joe Paterno has now led his team to a 9-0 start for the 10th time and to a 5-0 conference start for the third time. And its current 10-game winning streak is tied with Texas Tech for the longest in the nation. For the first time, the Big Ten also disciplined a replay official in the Michigan-Michigan State game after he mistakenly awarded the Wolverines a touchdown when he misapplied a rule. On-field officials have been disciplined before, but never a replay official in the booth until now. The Big Ten has placed six student-athletes on the Sporting News Today's inaugural midseason All-America team, including Iowa's Sean Green, and four of the conference teams, Iowa, as noted earlier, along with Northwestern, Penn State, and Wisconsin, were honored by the American Football Coaches Association for graduating 70% or more of their football student-athletes. The Big Ten is on pace to crown new statistical leaders in all of the categories appearing in the conference record books. Interesting statistics through this past Saturday, Sean Green ranked second 
second in conference rushing, trailing Michigan State's Javon Ringer by 219 yards, in spite of the fact that Ringer has 123 more carries than Green, who is also second in scoring. As a team, Iowa's offense is second in rushing, eighth in passing, third in scoring, and third in total offense. Quarterback Rick Stanzi ranks third in passing efficiency. Iowa's defense is third against the rush and the pass, second in scoring defense, and third in total defense. Hawkeyes Mike is always interested in and encourages listener feedback. Help make us better. Please provide us with your comments and suggestions for programs, guests, and topics by emailing feedback at hawkeyesmike.com or by calling toll-free 866-74-HAWKS. We welcome back Pat Hardy. You can read Pat's articles in the Press Citizen and on Hawk Central. This week again, Sean Patchett visits with Pat. Well, obviously a very big game and win for the Hawks. What is your assessment of the game? I thought they would win the game. I didn't think they would be nearly as dominant as they were. I didn't think they'd be able to control the line of scrimmage on both sides of the ball nearly nearly as well as they did, and I just was surprised by that a little bit, but I just think it shows that right now they're the most physical team in the Big Ten. They're not the best team in the Big Ten, but they've kind of taken that title from Wisconsin, a team that's really struggling, and now it's it's interesting. you got to ask yourself, do they need this week off, time to heal, or are they, will this be a momentum type thing? you got to wonder about that going into Illinois. They have two weeks to prepare for a tough game, but they are playing a little better than they th- I thought they would be right now, even though I thought they'd be 5-3 and three right now. Where do you think this team is right now, and are you sticking with your preseason prediction? I'm still sticking to 6-6, six and because six, actually if I do my numbers, I had them 5-3 and three right now. The only difference is I had them um, losing to Indiana and beating Northwestern, I believe, is how I had them. Those switched around, but I still think, and I this is going to sound horrible with as well as they've been playing, but I still see them losing three of these last four just because of the circumstances. They're at Minnesota, the last game ever played at the Metrodome against a team that's obviously way better than we thought. The Illinois game is there. Their offense is explosive. I worry about Iowa's soft zone coverage. And Illinois, none of those players on that team have defeated Iowa, so there's a big momentum thing and and morale thing there. Plus, and then Penn State's way better than I thought they would be. So that's kind of how the schedule is actually working against them a little bit now. Is it hard to find much of anything to criticize in this game, perhaps other than third down conversions? Third down conversions, and I still... A little curious to see what stands you'll do when they can't run the ball. Sooner or later, Sean Green's not going to be able to run the ball for seven, eight yards a pop, and then it's going to come up to Stansy to have to do something on his own. And then we'll really see what this team's all about. Is this team beginning to remind you of some of Ferenc's better squads, especially the way they seem to be improving each week and deeper into the season? It reminds me a little bit of the 2003 team with Fred Russell because that team didn't throw the ball that well either. This team right now still hasn't shown that it can really stretch the field. It's done it occasionally with Andy Brodell and what have you, but I see a little comparison with the 2003 team. I've heard some former players say that this is due to the way Ferenc and his staff they're focusing on fundamentals each week. Do you agree with that? Well, I'm sure it is. They always, the one thing you got to say about um, Kirk is the fact that he never gets hot, too high and he never gets too low. He always stays on the same, same even keel emotional plane or whatever you want to call it. And I think that helps him because then they don't look ahead. They don't look back. They just focus on the next thing. And right now you're seeing a team that's just focusing on what's right ahead of it. Can you talk about Sean Green's player of the week performance a little bit? Well, I think he showed, we all knew that he was a 235-pound power runner, but I think I did not think that he was capable of 
making guys miss in open field. And I think that 52-yard run might have earned him some money because I think that showed a lot of people that can show plug that tape in and say, look at that speed. And I think it just showed his overall, his versatility and just his overall dominance right now. Do you want to make a guess as to whether he'll be back next year? I'm guessing no for a number of reasons. Mostly, he's 23 years old. If he came back next year, he'd be almost 25, I believe, before he'd even play in his first NFL game. And running backs live on borrowed time. Most of them don't last beyond their 28th, 29th birthday. So, I mean, he's kind of in a rush cycle right now. And I think this one year he's shown a lot. And it's been five years since he graduated from high school. He's actually a fifth year junior. I think if he, hopefully he stays healthy and I think he's hot and I think he'll be gone. Stans, he seems to have settled in nicely at quarterback. Um, certainly managed this game very well. Once again, no turnovers. That seems to be the word for him. He's managing things, he's serviceable. I'm still curious what's gonna happen when the offense gets to the point where it can't run the ball. I think he's doing a better job of recognizing pressure in the pocket and what have you. And he's always showing the ability to throw a nice catchable pass when he's got time and what have you. So he's not turning the ball over. That's the main thing. He's managing the offense. So we'll see. At some point, though, he's going to have to take that next step, which is, to me, breaking out of the pocket and maybe when the play breaks down, having to do something on his own. You wrote a column on Jake Christensen this past week. Can you talk a little bit about that? Well, I just it dawned on me when I saw I was walking on the field after the game and I... I looked up and I saw a couple fans running out there and they jumped into the player's arms and the player was laughing and, and it was Jake and he just genuinely looked really happy for the team's success and we've heard so much about how he was all about himself and how he came here kind of as a pampered high school superstar kind of raised by his father to be this star quarterback and right now I'm just seeing a different side of him. He just seems like a really good team player and I think in light of the Philip Bates situation, you can see what can happen when that backup quarterback is unhappy. To me, it's no coincidence that Iowa State has just been in a free fall since he kind of left the team in shock there. And I got to give Jake a lot of credit. He's obviously not happy. He obviously still thinks he's the answer at quarterback, but he's handling it right now like a real mature person. And I, I think at some point he'll benefit from this. How would you grade out the offense at this point in the season? Running game A minus. I mean, I mean, there's hardly. I mean, just because I don't want to give it an A, just because he's not. It's too early to give anything an A. Passing game, though, I'm still C minus D. I still think that they're kind of one-dimensional, and I still think the passing game, the timing routes and what have you, there's a lot to, left to be desired there and what have you. But overall, I give the offense maybe a B minus to a C plus and what have you, but that's because of Sean Green. But I still say that they need to improve this passing game. The, the tight ends really become a nice weapon for them. They got some good versatility there, especially if they can get Milwaukee back. But I kind of wonder where Darrell Johnson Kulianos has kind of dis disappeared this season. He's he still, I will give him credit, He's done some great downfield blocking and what have you, but he hasn't become the weapon that I thought he would become stretching the field and what have you, so I still think their passing game is a work in progress. While he's often been criticized, this seemed like some of the best offensive play calling in quite a while. It always looks good when it's executed well by good players and what have you, but like that draw play. If that draw play hadn't have worked, there was a chance Sean could have gotten tackled in the backfield for a loss and people would have been like, what are they doing? Why are they running? Why are they delaying, running a delay play with Sean? Why not just let him power into the line right away? But it worked and it looks great and what have you. So I don't know. I've always thought the play calling stuff was a little overrated. I think they got the right players in there doing the right things right now. What will be interesting play calling wise though is what happens when Sean can't run the ball. Then what will they do then? Because I still say that this passing game is a little suspect and I think they know that. And when the passing game is a little suspect, that kind of limits what you can do. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. Well, let's turn to the defense. It's kind of hard to pick one segment to praise over another. All three segments, the line, linebackers, and backfield, they just dominated the Badgers. Yes, they did. The line really set the tone by basically pushing Wisconsin's line back 
on every play and then the linebackers and the safeties and cornerbacks all kind of fed off of that and it was a very good defensive performance, very predictable performance. I mean, Wisconsin knew what they were going to do. They just couldn't do anything about it. And I think Iowa did benefit from playing against a quarterback who was very inaccurate with his throws. There were some open receivers, and that still remains my biggest concern about this defense. When they get a play-action quarterback who can run out of the pocket like Juice Williams, and it's going to be interesting to see what they can do in that soft zone coverage with Arlius Ben and what have you, because there were some Wisconsin receivers were open in that game, and they just didn't execute the play. And I still say that's my biggest question about this defense is pass coverage. It's increasingly obvious every week that this is probably as deep a defense that we've had in quite some time. Especially up front. That front seven, I mean, they can go six linebackers deep and really not lose a beat. And I've been impressed with how they got those young, I mean, young like redshirt freshman Broderick Benz and Mike Daniels in at end and defensive tackle. And they're, they're relying on their younger guys a lot more for, than they used to, and I think that's good because now those guys aren't as young anymore with the season progressing, and they've got good linebackers. I'm still, I don't, I keep bringing it up, I still want to see more out of the defensive back position. I'm still a little suspect of the safeties play in pass coverage and what have you, but overall though, they do have some nice bodies to work with on defense in the front seven. Have you seen many individual performances like the one Pat Angrier turned in last week? If I thought about it, I mean, there, I mean, there's been a few over the years if you look back at all the different linebackers, John, the John Derbys and I, George Davis, I remember had 18 tackles in a game, Melvin Foster, but they don't come around very often. And what's so unusual, Patch kind of came out of nowhere. I mean, he wasn't even starting until this year and he was rotating to begin with and now he's healthy and he's playing like the kind of linebacker he was in high school. I remember in that state championship game, he dominated that game. He was all over the place and now he's just kind of lifted his play up to this level and he's doing the same things and hopefully he can just stay healthy. What's your sense about Wisconsin right now and their struggles? I think Wisconsin is very similar to Iowa in that the talent level isn't consistently there long enough to sustain long periods of success. They have two or three down years in recruiting caused by a number of things. I don't think Barry's departure helped anything. I'm not saying that's all against Brett, but I just think Wisconsin's kind of fragile. They're not Ohio State. Even Michigan's going through it right now. But for the most part, I think programs like Iowa and Wisconsin, every five or six years are going to go through a little downward cycle. The key is to how long does it last and what have you. This is a lot more severe than I think we any of us anticipated. I didn't think Wisconsin was very good when the season started, though. I thought they were overrated. And I think partly, though, their schedule's worked against them this year. They've had a brutal schedule, but they just don't have the... They just don't have the horses right now. I think Brett's had a lot of suspect recruiting classes, and I think Iowa, the same thing with Iowa. I think there's been some down Iowa recruiting classes. There's been attrition and what have you, but I see it's a very similar program like Iowa. Sooner or later, just time is going to catch up with it. All right, we have Illinois next week. Iowa coming off its bye week. Apparently, the Illini are really gunning for Iowa in this game. And you can understand, none of the seniors have defeated Iowa. Last year, they were supposed to win that game. I remember everyone thinking they would. I thought they would. And they came in here and scored six points and kept trying to run Mendenhall outside, and it didn't work. And a lot of people just figured that was another run. Zook kind of another brain breakdown, whatever you want to call it. And Zook, I think, is 0-4 against Ference, and he still takes shots for losing to Ference with all that talent from Florida and what have you. So there's a lot of reasons. A lot of people thought this team had BCS written all over it with the talent and what have you, but it hasn't happened so far. They've been very erratic, but I've just got this big fear I don't know if fear is the right word, but this big thought that just they're going to be lights out that day. That's a game they've really been circled. They've really been focusing on that game for a number of reasons. How do you think Iowa's defense stacks up against Illinois, and in particular, Juice Williams? 
Um, it just depends on what kind of game Illinois is playing that day. I think, I think they can do okay if Illinois tries to run the ball between the tackles or tries to do what they did with Mendenhall consistently off tackle, what have you. I think Iowa can win the game up front on the line of scrimmage. What I worry about more than anything is Juice Williams breaking when the play breaks down. Juice Williams getting out in breaking containment, getting out, and then getting isolated with Arlius Ben and all those other receivers, and then just finding scenes in Iowa's zone coverage defense and picking them apart. And then if they're covered, then he fakes like he's going to throw, then he runs, and he's getting eight yards there. And I just really think Arlius Ben, based on what I've seen from Iowa's safeties, I think they're, I know they're young and I think they've got a lot of potential, but I just really worry about Arlius Ben really exploiting Iowa's weaknesses in its safety positions. Well, uh, what do you expect to see in the Illinois game, and what are your keys to the game? The keys to the game are controlling Juice Williams when the play breaks down and containing him in the pocket, which is almost impossible. The other key is just not letting Arlius Ben, Illinois' star receiver who's an NFL star in waiting, not letting him control the game with a lot of, not letting him get tons of yards after the catch. That's the other thing he's really good at. He's a big, strong receiver. And Iowa's just going to, they're Ben but don't break philosophy. I think it's going to be tested to the extreme in this game. They just need to, the key to that game is keeping Juice Williams off the field, which means they got to run a lot of Sean Green and a lot of ball control offense, which I think they'll try to do. And if they can keep Illinois off the field, that'll help because Illinois will score some points this year. Any other thoughts? That Illinois game is going to be, I think, I think they're going to have to score at least 28 points to win that Illinois game. HawkeyesMike.com, just for you, the Iowa fan. All sports, all Hawks, all the time. www.hawkeyesmike.com. Call toll-free 866-74-HAWKS. That's 866-74-HAWKS. Just a reminder that following every football game, questions will be posted on HawkeyesMike.com. You can respond to those or offer whatever comments you like. The toll-free hotline will be open 24 hours a day, seven days a week. To have your comments included in the next show, please call by Tuesday evening. Just call 866-74-HAWKS. The new podcast should be available for listening or downloading later on Wednesdays. Again, just call 866-74-HAWKS and make your voice heard. Also, visit HawkeyesMike.com, go to the News and Events section, and check the links for up-to-date information on Iowa games, TV channels, the latest Hawkeye and Big Ten videos, and team schedules. And don't forget, you can subscribe to all Hawkeyes Mike podcasts through iTunes. And broadcast school has really paid off. Today's Hawkeyes Mike program is made possible in part by... Prefence Hand Sanitizer, the revolutionary new hand sanitizer that kills bacteria, viruses, and fungi for up to 24 hours with a single application. It contains no alcohol and actually moisturizes hands while protecting you and your family. Go to www.prefence.com. And by Morgan Stanley Financial Advisors of Coralville. Call 319-338-5184 or 800-870-0002 for all your investment needs. And by The Lodge Apartments in Iowa City, the finest in student living, your home away from home. Call 319-358-3500 or go to www.thelodgeatui.com.
Iowa travels to Illinois this Saturday in yet another border state rivalry game that is crucial for both teams in terms of standings, gaining bowl eligibility, building momentum, and potentially recruiting. It's a 2.30 start on ABC. The sold-out game is the 69th in the series, which Iowa trails 37-29-2. However, the Hawkeyes have won the last five games and eight of the last ten. The Hawks are 13-19 in Champaign's Memorial Stadium. This will also be the last game in the series until 2011, as the Illini, along with Purdue, come off Iowa's schedule for the next two years. Iowa enters this game with a 5-3 record and on a two-game winning streak with blowout victories over Indiana and Wisconsin. Illinois comes into this game having lost two of three after a record-setting victory at Michigan and on the heels of an upset road loss to Wisconsin. The Illini are currently 4-4. Four four. Their wins have come against Eastern Illinois, Louisiana, Lafayette, Michigan, and Indiana, with losses to Missouri, Penn State, and Minnesota, in addition to the Badgers. Iowa has allowed the Illini only two combined touchdowns in their last three meetings, and Iowa's three losses this year have come by a combined nine points. But Illinois is also the last team to shut out an Iowa team in October of 2000. The Hawks have 15 players from Illinois on their roster. The Illini have only one from Iowa. Illinois features an explosive offense with one of the Big Ten's leading quarterbacks in Juice Williams, who ranks first in the conference in pass efficiency in spite of throwing three interceptions against the Badgers. The Illini come into the game ranked 11th nationally in total offense, and Williams ranks 8th in the nation in total offense. He is a true dual-threat quarterback who can beat you with his passing and his running. Williams' favorite target is the terrific sophomore wide receiver Aurelius Ben, who is second in the league in receiving and who will very likely play in the NFL sooner rather than later. The Illinois defense has been inconsistent and prone to giving up a lot of rushing yards, something that bodes well for Iowa and Sean Green. Illinois coach Ron Zook led his team to a 9-4 record last year and a berth in the Rose Bowl, but he has yet to defeat Iowa, going 0-4 with the Illini and in one game as Florida head coach. Reports out of Champaign indicate that the coaches and players have circled this game, and Illini seniors have never defeated an Iowa team. Illinois badly needs this win to reestablish some momentum and to keep their bowl hopes alive. Iowa desperately wants to keep things going and build off their big victories the last two games. The Hawks will have to figure out a way to slow down Illinois' explosive offense, and in particular Williams. Sean Green will need to deliver another solid performance, and Rick Stanzi will have to take care of the football and show even more improvement in the passing game, as Illinois is likely to stack the box in an effort to slow down Green's rushing. This should be a great game. Illinois Nazis. I hate Illinois Nazis. Saturday is also National College Football Day, celebrating the anniversary of the first college football game ever played in 1869 between Rutgers and Princeton. Third and 13, Sheer across the middle, intercepted, Ingerer hit at midfield. Third interception of the season for the junior from Bettendorf, Iowa. Well, Angler looks like a defensive back. He's a linebacker, but he has great instincts and intelligence, and he knows exactly where to be. Intercepted, guess who? By who? Angerer's second of the game. You telegraph it, is gonna go get it. Pat Angerer, two interceptions today, four on the season. Telegraphed, picked. Hawkeyes dancing in the aisles at Kinnick. 
Our thanks again to the Big Ten Network for the game highlights, and thanks to our regular contributors, Marv Cook and Pat Hardy. We hope you've enjoyed this Hawkeyes Mike podcast, that you'll come back for more, and that you'll participate by phoning and making your own voice heard. 866-74-HAWKS. That's 866-74-HAWKS. We encourage new callers. Phone into Hawkeyes Mike, make yourself heard, then listen to yourself on the show. It's all Hawkeyes, all the time, on HawkeyesMike.com. For Iowa fans, by Iowa fans. Nice work, everyone. Sharp broadcast. Really good. Everyone on the floor as well. Really a lot of hustle. I liked it. This has been a presentation of Hawkeyes Mike, LLC.